I'm Philippa Tolley and this insight explores the rising tide of older workers. The number of workers over 65 is now at record levels and is only going to increase, but are employers doing enough to embrace what's been called a tidal wave of demographic change? These are two of Wellington's old industrial laneways, Leeds and Eva Streets. And in the 1930s, the shoe manufacturing firm Hannah's built a five-storey factory here and worker accommodation. More than 200 people work for the company and an historical photo on the outside of the building, now Smart Apartments, shows a long line-up of workers, both men and women, some in work gear, others in suits and ties, the majority of whom would have been born in the late 19th century. Life expectancies for people born at that time were around 60 and the idea of retirement was generally welcomed. Now, people who reach the age of 65 this year can expect to live into their late 80s and the working life is stretching out as well. Statistics New Zealand's Mark Gordon says the number of people working now who in past decades would have been retired is at record levels. About a year ago, almost to the day, it was quite an exciting time, statistically speaking, I suppose. Um, we did hit the highest ever rate of employment um, among people aged 65 years and over, uh, and that was 22.2%. Uh, to give you a sense of how much that's changed over time, the employment rate was 30 years ago was about 9%. This insight explores how seriously employers need to take this changing workforce profile and what needs to be done to retain and attract older workers. After 50, what? Four decades ago and continuing education programs were made for broadcast on, as it was then, national radio, to help those approaching retirement. It was cut and dried. Work would end at 60. Now the Manager of Labour and Income Statistics at Statistics New Zealand, Mark Gordon, says a proportion of older people in the population and all parts of the labour force continues to grow. About 30 years ago, the median age of people in the labour force was about 35 years old. Um, these days it's closer to 43. And if you're looking at the population of people who are aged 65 years and over, um, there are well over 600,000 people in this group now. Um, that's a figure that's nearly doubled since 1981. One of the most significant changes for those wanting to stay on at work after retirement age was the introduction in 1993 of the Human Rights Act, which effectively outlawed compulsory retirement. Where an applicant for employment or an employee is qualified for work of any description, it shall be unlawful for an employer to retire the employee or to require or cause the employee to retire or resign by reason of any of the prohibited grounds of discrimination. Mark Gordon explains the Act's effect. And this effectively started the era where people could remain in the labour force for, for as long as they wanted to, um, even well beyond the, the retirement age of 65. Uh, and when you look at the statistics of labour force participation from about 2001 onwards, um, you can see an obvious turning point where the numbers of older workers just increased at quite a high rate. And we're talking about, over those 15 years, it increased from about 200,000 people to, to over half a million uh, people in that group. In the 1970s, turning 60 was not just the end of employment, but for some it signalled a new lifestyle, whether they wanted it or not. I walked down the road the other morning around about 7.30, and saw one of my neighbours, fully dressed, three-piece suit, collar and tie, standing over the, uh, by the gate, looking at passers-by, and I said, uh, unusual to see you out so early in the morning. He said, well, as a matter of fact, I retired yesterday. My comment, what on earth are you doing here? 
He said, oh, I just came down to see my friends. And with an almost indescribable yearning in his eyes, he watched his friends go past down the road with a purpose, with an object. The rising tide of workers with more experience under their belts is now a reality that's close to the hearts of individuals along with business and the public sector. Business Central offers advice and support to companies operating from Gisborne, across to New Plymouth and down to Nelson. Its development manager, Ian Stronach, says the age profile of the workforce can sometimes be surprising. PwC, Price Waterhouse, do a yearly survey called Golden Age. They have a look at how many people are in paid work. People are over 55. New Zealand, interestingly, is the second highest in the world. So we have a highly engaged age workforce. Um, we have a lot of people working on. Um, people into their 80s, not uncommon. I spoke to someone yesterday who is in a large or large national organisation with five and a half thousand staff and they've still got around 12 people 80 plus working full-time for them so there are exceptions. It's quite extraordinary to think of really isn't it? Uh, yeah it is um, but you know if you think of the the traditional view of agedness which is you know infirmity comes with 60 plus uh, I think you only need to have a look around to see what people 60 plus are doing and it's a lot more active than perhaps a generation ago go out on a Saturday morning around here in Wellington and you risk being run over on the roads by middle-aged couples in, in their, their expensive 10-speeders, but they're off. They're doing quite quite you know high degrees of physical exercise. People are a lot more active. Um, I think they expect themselves to be so. I think employers probably expect a little bit more of that as well. But not everyone wants to keep working. Sarah Clark, who until recently was the director of the Office for Senior Citizens, wants all options to be equally valued. We would say it's up to individuals to choose. The other thing is that I wouldn't want to just emphasise those in paid work. I mean, unpaid work is hugely valuable to our economy. And, and we know that uh, in the future, um, volunteering will be worth $35 billion to the economy. So actually, we do need uh, older workers to be involved in voluntary work. I think one of the other things for us that, that makes the topic of work so important is it's about people being able to stay connected uh, to their friends to their communities and, and work whether paid or unpaid is a really important part of that. While some choose not to be involved in paid work once they're in their mid-60s, others struggle to find employment once they enter their 50s. Last month, Ian, who's in his mid-50s and unemployed, took to the Patoni foreshore, sign in hand, to market himself to potential employers driving into Wellington City. He'd studied commerce to give himself new employment opportunities after beginning to develop arthritis. He told a journalist from Fairfax that in retrospect that may have been a poor decision. Well basically um, I put myself through university at a later age after having a chequered career and I thought I'd be helping myself but what has actually happened I found that I'm in the difficult ages category now which I didn't realise at the time. Unemployment rates for those who still want to work are generally lower than the wider population. For example, at the end of 2015, the unemployment rate among those aged 55 years and over was sitting at about 2.9%, compared with an overall rate of 6% among all those available for work. But there are some trends set out by statistics Mark Gordon that are distinguishing to the older part of the workforce. What I did find quite interesting when I was looking at the data was that the largest group of those unemployed older workers were those who had been unemployed for over a year um, and um, closely followed by the group who had been unemployed by at least half a year. 
Uh, and the reason that's interesting is across the whole population, um, unemployment's quite, quite temporary, if that makes sense. So um, most of the unemployment tends to be pe what we call short-term employment. So people have only been looking for work for um, less than half a year. So um, it's, it gives you an indication if you, that the unemployment that you do have in these older worker categories, they are people who have been unemployed for some sort of significant amount of time. While some experienced workers are desperately seeking employment, there are others who stay on only because of financial necessity. One of the Public Service Association's national secretaries, Glenn Barclay, says among his union members, the jobs with the highest number of older workers are those in the caring workforce, home and disability support, people who also earn some of the lowest wages. I think a lot of the people who are working you know, past 65 or um, around that, that time um, are forced to do so. They don't have savings for retirement or very little and uh, they need to, in, in some instances, support family members. You know, a number of them may well be forced into that situation. And he also points to PSA research that indicates older workers face some of the highest rates of discrimination. The feedback we got through our comprehensive survey of our members a, a while ago was that that age group faces um, you know, age discrimination in the workplace, that, that they feel that, that their skills aren't always valued. Um, and there are a lot of myths out there about what older workers can and can't do, and that is problematic, uh, can be problematic for them in terms of assumptions being made by their employers and their co-workers. What sort of myths are you talking about there? Um, the myth that, that they're resistant to change, uh, the myth that they take more sick leave, um, the, the myth that um, they uh, have memory lapses, that kind, of, that kind of thing. Are you sure it's a myth? Yeah, um, there's research been done on, on this. Um, um, one I can think of, which is now quite old, that's from about 1998, the Human Rights Commission, in conjunction with the SSC, you know, suggested that uh, that was the case. That particularly when you say, if you look at something like sick leave utilisation, it's about the same as the rest of the population. And the shaky ground that such stereotypes are based on is also shown up in research carried out by the Auckland University of Technology's Ageing Workforce Study, involving more than 1,200 workers aged over 55. One of the report's authors, Professor Tim Bentley, says in general, older staff perform as well, or slightly better than their younger counterparts. So in our research, managers tell us that compared with the, the whole workforce, older workers are um, more likely to stay, more committed, uh, more engaged, and in fact more productive. What about that sense that older workers aren't quite up to speed technologically, that it's more difficult for them to embrace that change and keep on adding to their skills? Well, you know, there's, there's two lines of research in the international literature on this. One is that they're not able to maintain those uh, that update and continue improving their skills, particularly around technology. But then there's also another line of literature that says they actually respond very well to training and upskilling, and it's by no means a, a, such a clear picture as that. In fact, you know, the, the opportunities that come with training and development around technology and other areas should be something that are offered to older workers rather than, you know, depriving them of these because of those sorts of uh, stereotypes. Ian Stronach of Business Central says so-called digital disruption has hit businesses in many ways and has increased suspicion that older members of staff will struggle with new developments. Believe it or not, you can retrain older people. It's kind of a, that's a concept people forget about. But I spoke to an organisation yesterday here in Wellington who uh, they train people to become uh, 
website and application developers. So, you know, quite heady uh, coding and, and development work. And I said, oh, is it all full of young people ex-high school? They said, no, a lot of the people have got a 15 and 25 years into their career and just deciding that that's phasing out as a career, that's whatever they were doing as is, is time's passed them by, they're going to become a developer because there's good skills demand there. So they've got people who are quite old that are just taking up what's really at the pointy end of the digital revolution, isn't it? And uh, I was pleasantly surprised to hear that, I must say. My late 50s, um, I'd lost two jobs and I faced in a very real way the challenges that older workers face. Um, Using his own experience, Jeff Pearman runs a consultancy helping organisations adapt to the changing age profile of the workforce. But how keenly is pressure felt when it comes to looking at ways to embrace and retain employees as they get older? Jeff Pearman points to a number of jobs where the sharp point of change is being felt quite sharply already. You move into the nursing workforce and you've got some very significant ha issues happening there with the ageing of the workforce, uh, a feminised workforce, and we know that people are moving out of there uh, because of the physicality of the work, the shift work, and, and that's going to require new ways of thinking, even about the way we design shifts. But if you drop down to other areas, um, in the trades, for example, a number of tradesmen, um, the knees won't take, take another job, uh, the body won't take another winter, and, and yet they're wanting and needing to continue to work. Um, you can go into financial services, you can go into, the tra into transport. Um, aged care is going to be a significant area. Every sector you go to, you find a slightly different dynamic at work but the challenges of age and work are nonetheless still there. Tim Bentley, who's now moved from AUT to Massey University, says research done by the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment points to 2018 as the year when the impact of a workforce getting progressively older will start to bite. He says the changing demographics affect both sides, employees who want or feel they have to stay on working, and organisations who need staff and can't afford to have huge chunks of their workforces walk out the door when they hit 65. But Tim Bentley says questions remain over whether enough is being done to make sure businesses retain, engage and attract older workers. Well, the first thing is the work atmosphere or environment. They're looking for a place where they, they, they feel welcome, engaged in the work. They're doing meaningful and challenging work, things we all want, actually. Obviously, the flexibility is important and they're looking for, for those opportunities. Um, but they're also, you know, when we ask them, the, the biggest thing about their job would be that the jobs are designed with the capabilities and indeed limitations of older workers in mind. But also looking at the shift structure, you know, older workers aren't best suited, for instance, to work in nights or early shifts, uh, revolving shifts, long hours, doing heavy work, those sorts of things. Now, I know overseas, for instance, in some German uh, car plants and other types of organisations uh, elsewhere, they put in place these changes and it has created a division uh, but in the way that sort of older workers were at first ridiculed because um, there were special arrangements for them, like somewhere to lie down and rest, uh, you know, a lightening of the, of the working load, less strenuous duties and so on, a basic redesign of the work they're doing. But then within uh, a, a shortish period of time, the whole workforce wanted these conditions and actually it showed that their whole performance was improved. Jeff Pearman does acknowledge that solutions are unlikely to come in a one-size-fits-all package. And as an example, he talks about how one medium firm was looking at different options. I sat with a builder 
and he talked about a bricklayer that works for him who walks around like a half-open penknife. Um, and this bricklayer is saying, you know, I don't think I can do another winter. Now, the employer was very, very clear that he wanted to continue to employ that person. He had a lot of skills. He had a lot of credibility. People came to their business because of that bricklayer. They then started talking through how they could bring him, and they were a medium-sized business, bring him into an actual fact to start doing some of the costing work um, during the winter. They also talked about linking him into a mentoring program and contributing that way to the wider industry. Those are the sort of solutions that we've got to start thinking about and applying a bit of creativity to. That employer was very clear that they weren't going to put him off because that would impact on their reputation within the community where they worked. Some firms are tackling those challenges. Transliquid is a transportation company based in Tauranga. Jeff Pert has been a director and owner of the company for 35 years and says his business moves bulk fuel throughout the North Island and sometimes down south as well. He has a staff of 40, many of them driving hundreds of kilometres every day. Jeff Pert says he's recognised the need to change. What we tend to do now is we, we, we look at the, the older or the mature workforce and the, and the younger ones and we take them on and we blend them together. So our average age would be about 40 uh, across our workforce. And the sort of cross-pollination that we like is that the, the mature and the, and the younger, we get them to work closely together because they both have an inherent skills that they pass on to each other that we, we need in the environment of accelerating change. Is adaptation and nimbleness is what we need to, to make that work. Jeff Purse also wants to do what he can to make his employees happy. We like lifestyle, we adjust shift rosters, we have flexibility of start and finish times, work closely with the company then we can work closely with you when you need time off with your families and, and do for specific things that you know, you're, you've booked as long as it's, there's notice and, and we work together on it. We can keep the operation flowing nicely. Like Jeff Pert at Transliquid, Jeff Pierman believes employers will need to make adjustments. It's going to be about changing the way they think about older workers. Uh, prior to this, generally the thought was, how can we help move older workers move on? So we incentivise people to take early retirement. The second side, I guess, is from the point of view of the older worker themselves. Um, they're going to be at a stage in life where maybe... Um, career, ambition, doesn't drive them any longer. But what's important to them is uh, making a difference, leaving a legacy, doing something of significance. For some it may mean being part of what I see as a growing movement, and that's senior entrepreneurs. He says that element of entrepreneurship among older workers surprises many. One of the fastest growing areas in the US and also in Australia is the number of people over 50, 55 who are going into business for the first time. Currently in Australia, over a third of new startups are being led by people over the age of 55, uh, which is very, very significant. I think the, the challenge that we've got is that the current discussion and the current reporting around entrepreneurship is all focused on the young and the tech. And yet we know that it's, it's the senior and the non-tech which is the area where we're seeing the growth.
Statistics New Zealand's Mark Gordon backs up the notion of the entrepreneurial nature of many older workers. We know that older workers tend to have a higher chance of being self-employed um, and actually um, of the people in the workforce at the moment who've stated that they're self-employed, uh, a quarter of these are males aged 55 years and over uh, and another 10% or so are female older workers. Uh, I was looking at an estimate that it was probably around currently 90,000 older workers who are self-employed at the moment. But does this drive to keep older people working for some, even into their 80s, mean retirement is a thing of the past? The concept certainly looks different when viewed from the perspective of living into your 90s rather than 70s. Children born in the mid-2010s are now predicted to live to 90 for males and 93 for females. And those who have reached the age of 65 can now expect to live into their late 80s. Even in the 1970s, retirement wasn't always seen as the healthiest option. One of my friends retired and his plan was, well, there's plenty of to do around the house. So for the first few days, few weeks, he used to go around the house walking quite briskly, making notes of things to do and saying, well, when I get round to it, I'll do this, I'll do that. Twelve months later, nothing had happened and he wasn't even walking around the property. He was staying inside watching it television. Eighteen months later, he had a heart attack and, and died. Nothing had been accomplished. There was really no purpose in his carrying on living. His family had scattered, so he died. But Massey University's Tim Bentley says many more options for how people plan their life are on the table. A decade or so ago, there, there was still a strong sense of people were striving for those golden years and an early retirement, ideally, so they could you know, have a longer... Uh, retirement and, and, and a longer life outside of work. But, you know, increasingly I think we're going to move to not only people having many more different types of career, but people sort of taking their retirement as they go along. Who's to say it all needs to be at the end? Um, you know, so there's different ways it can be done. And I think we'll see things change. We'll see people taking sort of lengthy sabbaticals or graduated retirement, of course, will probably be the most common sort of approach where, you know, because we need people to remain in the workforce longer rather than stopping one day and never coming back. They'll actually gradually retire, um, uh, work their hours down. At the same time, that gives the organisation the opportunity to um, translate their learning back into the workforce. The reports are endless, as have been the discussions about the need to prepare for a change in the makeup of the workforce, but how much is actually being done. The PSA has been trying to find out with Official Information Act requests, as Glenn Barclay explains. A few years ago we, we did an OIA to, to key government departments asking them what policies and processes they had in place for, for older workers, and we discovered that from those agencies that, that we were looking at, you know, none of them had anything specifically, you know, that may have changed um, in, in the last year or so, but um, that, that's not encouraging. So what we think that employers should be doing, and um, it doesn't, you know, that sounds like they're pretty variable in their response to this, is that they should be talking with their, their older workers, listening to them, investing in them, um, not just treating them as, as a group that's suddenly going to disappear, um, because they need them. The Office for Senior Citizens, part of the Ministry for Social Development, has also been trying to find out how well-prepared businesses are. Sarah Clark says, in many ways, not so well. We have done specific research around um, workforce ageing, and, and what we know from that is that employers value older workers. They see them as being as productive uh, and uh, as valuable as, as younger workers. 
Um, but we also know that they're not planning as well as they might. Only 14% uh, actually uh, have workforce ageing strategies in place. Training is a theme which comes up often, and Ian Stronach's organisation, Business Central, backs the idea of investing in all staff, including those who are older. But he confesses to being perplexed by the resistance he encounters. If uh, someone joins you at 60 and you estimate in your own mind, well, I'll probably only stay till it's 65, 66, well, I won't invest because I won't get their money back, but well, then why are you prepared to invest in the younger person who may only be here 18 months, two years? That doesn't make sense to us. Um, older workers still tend to be less uh, job mobile, so once they join you, even especially at an older age, they tend to be more loyal. So I would have said from a business proposition, you're probably going to get more benefit out of that investment and training. Again, that's taking a while to filter through. While employers are being urged to look at the implications of this rapidly changing age profile, Jeff Pierman believes the government could also do more. I don't hear or sense any great um, appetite on the government's part to, to open this discussion up, uh, which is in marked contrast to, to Australia where I do half of my consulting work also. Uh, with a significant public discussion and political discussion about the impact of ageing. He says the government in Australia is looking at a whole range of options, including financial carrots. For example, there's an incentive that, that if you employ someone who's over the age of 50, then you'll get a, a contribution uh, to the company for, for doing that. Now, one of the things that companies will obviously say is, well, um, why would we do that? Because we do need to employ someone who's a job seeker, um, and the issue of compliance and all the costs that come with that are a problem. Whether they're effective or not is another question. I think there's still the issue of at the level of the individual firm, there's got to be an engagement about doing something about the people in your company every day who are ageing. Um, but what I am seeing is that companies in Australia are certainly picking up the opportunity to think through what their business risks are and also to spot where there's new opportunities. And, and I'm working with a group of companies at the moment who are spotting new opportunities for business from the ageing of the population. Refrains such as 60 is the new 40 are already somewhat of a cliché. But Massey University's Tim Bentley believes the reality behind such glib turns of phrase can't be ignored. And any idea that people in their 60s are no longer of any use is an outmoded way of thinking. He speaks of a shortage of skills and a war for talent, while arguing that companies would do well to become age-friendly organisations. We do a survey with the EEO Trust, a, um, a diversity survey across New Zealand, of about 1,000 participants each time, and we find that um, when we ask them what is the issue that most concerns them, they say older workers, and what is the issue that most challenges them, well, an ageing workforce and how to manage that. So they're aware of that. When we ask how many have an actual strategy in place, it's less than half. So, you know, that means that a, a large number are starting to um, engage with this and to put in place practices, but many more aren't yet, but are considering it o over the next year or two that they're going to. So I think it's a sort of pass mark, but plenty more to do. Whatever their age, people are people. And the PSA's Glenn Barclay says older workers need to be treated as well as anyone else. What we think is required is you know, conversations with people as they go, they go through, listen to, to what their needs are. It's not for me to say what our members' needs are. I think that they um, will have a range of needs depending on their occupations and, and um, where they work. Um, but they need to be listened to and they need to be treated as people who still have a future in the organisation. Um, that they've got something to contribute and 
I think that that's really important. I'm Philippa Tolley, and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to get in touch, it'd be great to hear from you. Our email is insight at radionz.co.nz or post a tweet. Our handle is at insightrnz. I wrote and presented that programme. It was produced by Gail Woods and Teresa Cowie with technical production by Phil Benj. The archive material from the 1970s was supplied by Nataunga Sound and Vision.